You're listening to To Dine for the Podcast, the Shot Put Media production, presented by MasterCard. Start something priceless. What's better in life than a bottle of wine, great food, and an amazing conversation? My name is Kate Sullivan, and I am the host of To Dine For. I'm a journalist, a foodie, a traveler with an appetite for the stories of people who are hungry for more. Dreamers, visionaries, artists, those who hustle hard in the direction they love. I travel with them to their favorite restaurant to hear how they did it. This show is a toast to them and their American dream. To Dine For the Podcast is brought to you by Terlato Wine Group. American National Insurance, and Spiritless. As the seasons change and the weather warms up, may I suggest a delicious glass of the Terlato Pinot Grigio. It was 1979 when Anthony Terlato introduced America to Pinot Grigio, earning him the title, the father of Pinot Grigio. Since then, his son Bill has spent years making sure that the taste of this Pinot Grigio would be unlike any other in the market. Notes of peach, pear, citrus, and a distinct minerality. From the hills of northern Italy, the grapes meticulously handpicked. This would be a dynamite choice for your summer table. Use promo code TDF20 to get 20% off your first bottle at uncork.com. Cheers, everyone. To Dine For the Podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. For 115 years, American National has remained committed to helping people and communities make a real difference in their lives. American National supports great local community organizations led by the kind of people you hear about on To Dine For, people who are inspired to make a difference and inspire others in return. American National's philosophy is helping where it's needed helps us all. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write, and the states in which they're licensed, Visit AmericanNational.com slash dine. If you listen to this podcast, you know I love a great founder story. That's why I love the story of Kentucky 74 from Spiritless. Three young women from Louisville, Kentucky, who had the idea for a healthier bourbon. Healthier in the sense it has no alcohol. So you can have an evening cocktail with no guilt and almost no calories. It is so delicious. I love to squeeze an orange slice, a couple of dashes of bitters, shake it with ice, and then strain it into a beautiful glass and just kick back. If you'd like to try a bottle of Spiritless, you can use promo code TODINEFOR to get free shipping. Welcome to To Dine For, the podcast, where we meet the world's most creative and innovative minds at their favorite restaurant. On today's episode is Pauline Frommer. Do slow travel. Go to one destination and really, really explore it fully. I think you're going to love it wherever you go. Who is ready to travel? Pauline Frommer is one of the most iconic and well-respected names in travel. She is the co-president of Frommer Media, editorial director of Frommer's Guidebooks, author of the best-selling Frommer's Easy Guide to New York City and Frommer's New York City Day by Day. Her father, Arthur Frommer, was one of the original travel writers and a publisher to the Frommer's travel books. Today, we are talking everything from Pauline's favorite restaurant in New York City to how her deep love of travel began 
and her outlook for summer travel post-COVID. Please enjoy my interview with Pauline Frommer. Hi, Pauline. Thank you so much for being on To Dine For The Podcast. It is wonderful to see you again, Pauline. We have had a conversation before, and uh, we both share a deep love of travel. I usually begin the podcast by asking the guests their favorite restaurant. This is an extraordinarily difficult question for you because you've been all over the world. You've eaten at some of the loveliest restaurants. And I imagine, are you in the New York area now? I am. I live in New York. I've lived here my whole life. Okay, great. So I imagine you might pick a place in New York, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. So please tell me, where is your favorite restaurant? Oh my goodness. You know, I do live in New York and right now I'm in the process of updating Fromer's New York City. Ah! So I've been dining out almost every night. So Um, you are the person to ask. I am the person to ask. And it's been such an interesting time in New York. Pre-pandemic, I would have answered Sammy's famous Romanian restaurant, which was this amazing place in a basement on the Lower East Side, where a guy at an electric piano sang songs from Fiddler on the Roof. (laughs) And, you know, and they served you bottles of vodka encased in blocks of ice. Oh, my gosh. The most hilarious party, but they went out of business during oh, the pandemic. Oh, that sounds like such a character of a place, right? Oh, it was such a great place for for a celebration. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I lost about a third of the restaurants in my New York City book. But wow. last year, there was a record number of new restaurant licenses issued yes. by the city of New York. And it's just been astonishing the new places that have opened. Well, that's New York, isn't it? It is a resilient, artistic, creative place that is supportive of other restaurants. And yeah. and most importantly, the people that live there want to dine out. They're always going to want to dine out. They are people who love restaurants more than anywhere in the world, frankly. And- um, Many of many New Yorkers just they take pride that they don't cook. They love. They say, "Why would they cook? We don't have time to cook. (laughs) Right? We're too damn busy." And there are, you know, this is where all the great publications about food are. This is a city with many great cooking schools. So you just have this incredible scene. I can't say my favorite overall restaurant. I'd say my favorite new restaurant in New York City. Mm is this place called Iris. Uh, it's opened by the chef, John Fraser, who I think is one of the best chefs working in New York today. Mm-hmm. And it's foods of the Mediterranean, mostly Turkey and Greece, mm. but done in a way that you probably don't get outside some grandmother's kitchen wow. in that region because they use mastic and they use all of these unusual spices And the food is just extraordinary. And it also feels like an event because Mm -hmm. at the end of the meal, they wheel over a cart where you get to choose your desserts from the cart and they have all kinds of different liqueurs to go with them. Unfortunately, the place has a very bland look to it. It Mm. almost looks like a high-end restaurant in an airport. So I'm hoping they'll (laughs) fix that. Uh, But the food is out of this world. And I've brought two friends there 
over their objections because they both told me they didn't like Greek food and they ended up loving <laughs> Pauline, what we ate there. First of all, you uh, what I love about your sensibility is that you speak your mind, but you do it in such a <laughs> lovely way. And I can't imagine someone asking me what kind of food I like and then saying, I don't like Greek. And then the person saying, but I'm going to take you there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, the another reason it's such a great restaurant. It's it's one of the few really good restaurants in the theater district. Mm. So I was going to those Ooh. friends. I was going with those friends to shows and there just weren't as many good options nearby. Okay. I wouldn't have forced them otherwise. It, it is. It's called Iris. Iris like the flower. Okay. So for those of, of you who are listening, who are planning a trip to New York, Pauline has given you this gem and you don't even realize it because everyone is trying to find a restaurant close to their show to eat either before or after. And it's very difficult. You really yeah. have to leave the neighborhood for the most part to find yes, something absolutely. really excellent. Unfortunately, you can't eat there afterwards. They they close at around ten. <laughs> uh, but oh bizarrely, gosh. they have they have a, a happy hour special at the bar, which cuts the costs in half. And nobody does that in the theater district because no. everybody's eating early to make their shows. Yes. So it's a little odd, yes. but it's a great place. It sounds like Iris could use you as a consultant, Pauline, on many <laughs> levels here. Um, but I yes. will definitely check it out. I, I love to come to New York and eat and try something new. And it really speaks, you know, obviously to your expertise, having spent your whole life in New York and having dined out there. So thank you for that. Um, well, for those people who are not familiar with the Frommer's books, Talk to me about your dad and where his love of travel began and how it really grew into sort of an iconic name in travel. Well, my dad is now 93. He and I run the books together. It's a family business, but it's a fluke of a family business. He expected to be a lawyer, but on the day that he graduated from Yale Law School, unlike everyone else in his class, he got drafted because he had no connections. He was a son of immigrants. But that saved him because it was the height of the Korean War, which, as you may know, was a very, very bloody conflict. Mm -hmm. And the day before he was going to be shipped to Korea, they discovered he spoke German and Russian. Oh, my gosh. Because his mother was a German immigrant. His father was a Russian immigrant, actually vice versa. And uh, they only spoke, they spoke Yiddish to one another, but they both taught him the languages and then he studied them and they really needed that at that time. So instead of being sent to Korea where half of his troop didn't get home from Korea or came home injured, he was sent to Berlin to meet spies because they thought that if the East was going to invade the West, this was the height of the Cold War, there would be an uptick in food production. So he would meet people who spoke German and Russian and take notes on how many chickens were killed and how many loaves of bread were baked because they really thought if they were going to invade, there'd be more food production. This is fascinating. <laughs> so when he was in Berlin, he started traveling all over Europe. 
And you have to remember, this is right after World War II, mm-hmm. so a lot of Europe is still in rubble. His fellow GIs would stay at the base because they were worried if they didn't have much money, they wouldn't be able to travel well. And he would regale them with stories. And he thought, well, maybe I'll write a little book. So he self-published a book called The GI's Guide to Europe. And on the first day, it was on sale at the PXs across Europe. It sold out. Oh, my goodness. And so... When he got out of the army, he was practicing law. And about a year after he got out of the army, he thought, well, maybe civilians would like a book like this. So he went back to Europe to research it. He wrote Europe on $5 a day, and it became the best-selling guidebook of all time and changed his life. Wow. Talk about not only carving his own path, but then he obviously fate and luck played a huge role in his success. But that's incredible. A a really interesting story aside, my father was also drafted into Korea. And he went to the Army Navy Language School to study Russian. And his entire career was as a Russian teacher because he tested out and then went to California. That is really interesting. Wow. What a coincidence. Amazing. And so... He wrote that book and wrote it for many years. Today, the way we do the Frommer Guides is we hire local journalists. Certain guidebook series have what I call parachute artists, people who you can drop into a place and they're so talented they can do it. But we feel we get richer content uh, by using local authors. And that way, we're also keeping a lot of journalists afloat because it's been a bloodbath for journalism in the last 10 years. Uh, So I write the New York book. I have a wonderful woman in Paris who writes Paris for me. I have another woman in Italy who who writes Rome. And uh, we have actually several people in Italy. And we have them write everything in their chapter or their book, because we figure my father wrote in a very personal opinionated way. Mm. And we figure if you trust the person who's writing up the museums, you'll probably trust them for nightlife too. And for hotels. So unlike other guidebook series, like Fodor's will have a hotel expert and culture expert and nightlife expert. And then the editor kind of smooths out the difference in their voices With us, you get one person and you get their unexpurgated opinions. We'll have more on this conversation in just a minute. But first, thank you to our sponsors. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. If you're like me, there are times when you want to feel like you're having a fancy cocktail, but you don't actually want the alcohol. So I love Kentucky 74 from Spiritless. It's a distilled, non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails. 
but with just 15 calories per serving and none of the guilt. You can pre-order your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use the promo code to dine for to get free shipping. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. There's a funny thing about most insurance commercials, whether they feature lizards or birds or funny cartoon characters. It seems like they want you to think about anything but insurance. American National, on the other hand, has real local agents who get to know you so they can help you reach better decisions about your insurance to make sure you're protecting what matters most to you. American National agents are part of your community. They're your neighbors. So whether it's solutions for your home, your small business, your farm, or your life, you can count on your local American National agent to make sure you get the discounts you deserve and the protection you need without paying for extras you don't. With American National, you get an ally, not just a web page. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write in the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com dine. As the seasons change and the weather warms up, may I suggest a delicious glass of the Turlato Pinot Grigio. It was 1979 when Anthony Turlato introduced America to Pinot Grigio, earning him the title, the father of Pinot Grigio. Since then, his son Bill has spent years making sure that the taste of this Pinot Grigio would be unlike any other in the market. Notes of peach, pear, citrus, and a distinct minerality. From the hills of northern Italy, the grapes meticulously handpicked. This would be a dynamite choice for your summer table. Use promo code TDF20 to get 20% off your first bottle at uncork.com. Cheers, everyone. Now back to our conversation. Well, you know, when you're picking choices for travel and you're picking a place to travel, you really do need guidance because you know what? You, you can have all the options in the world, but you really need someone to say, listen, you can't miss Iris in the theater district, right? You really need somebody to guide you. And I love the way you've done it. I've always been a fan of your books. I'm really interested, you know, through your lens of a lifetime of travel, where is the one place you find yourself always wanting to go again? Oh my goodness. See, I prefer going new places. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go back. To, there are certain places that I've fallen in love with and can, I can go over and over to Paris. There's always something new in Paris and it's such a beautiful, beautiful destination. Recently, I fell in love with Portugal. Yes. Partially because not only is the food extraordinary and the people are so lovely, but when you know its history, you realize what a miracle it is mm -hmm. that they're doing so well. They had one of the worst dictators in all of Europe uh, for 50 years. Mm -hmm. And because of that, they had the highest child mortality rate. They had deep poverty. They had a lack of development. But now because of that lack of development in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, Portugal looks like it did mm -hmm. in the Middle Ages. Yes, so you go there, it's a true time machine. Yes. And it also shows you that people can get through these big disasters and come out the other side. Because uh, Salazar, the dictator, did you know J.K. Rowling uh, named Salazar Slytherin after him? No, I didn't. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's awesome. She lived in Portugal for a while. So you look at what's happening in Ukraine and it's just so heartbreaking, but I, I'm hoping they can come through the other side. 
you know, these examples of, of places that endure, right? It's a, it is a powerful lesson. Let's talk a little bit about post COVID travel. It's something that people in the travel world have been wanting to talk about, have been trying to talk about for over a year. We've been doing a lot of uh, hypothesizing of what's going to happen. I'd love to hear from you. This summer is going to really be very revealing as to sort of trends in travel. What are you hearing? Well, there are certain things that started during the pandemic that are going to stick with us. During the pandemic, everybody was scared to stay in a hotel Mm. because they didn't want to be in a crowded lobby, in a crowded elevator. They wanted more privacy. So a lot of people who never tried Airbnb or Mm. VRBO before did. Mm. And now it's more expensive to do an Airbnb or a VRBO or any kind of rental on average than it is to stay in hotels. Is that true? Yes. In all but two states, in all but Louisiana and Nevada. Wow. That means if you're looking for a place to stay post-pandemic, hotels will probably be less expensive. That also speaks to the drop in business travel and the drop in conventions. Mm -hmm. So that's one uh, thing we're seeing. We're also seeing, sadly, well, sadly for the tourist, good for the tourism industry, because attractions such as theme parks, museums, ski resorts had to enforce social distancing, they all started putting in timed arrivals. They mm. made they made it so that the reservation was king. And they found that that helped them staff up better. Interesting. That helped them know how much food to put in their restaurants. And so a lot of those advanced reservation systems are going to be sticking around. Interesting. You're going to have to do more advanced uh, research. Which, you know, is can be good and bad. I When you said, unfortunately, I really thought you were going to talk about the cruise industry because I was stunned to see the resurgence of cruise ships. I would have thought that cruise ships would have been the last place to really get its footing, you know, after COVID, but they are coming back. People are getting on cruise ships. Well, they're coming back, not in the numbers that they were pre-pandemic. So I think one of the reasons you're seeing any kind of strong comeback is they're so damn cheap. Mm. Uh, They're much, it's the cheapest form of vacation right now because they really have to regain the public's trust in whether or not they're safe. As far as American travel, do you think that most people are staying within the country or do you see, are you seeing a reemergence of uh, European travel? Well, we've always seen most people stay within the United States. Mm-hmm. Only something like 35% of Americans even have a passport. So that trend is sticking around, but people are starting to return to Europe. There is nervousness because of the situation in Ukraine. I would say we're seeing more, well, a lot of people are going back to Europe. Even more people are going back to the Caribbean, Mm. to Mexico, Mm. to places nearer to the U.S., if you're talking American tourism. Uh, You you gave everyone a really great tip, and that is the fact that if you're kind of debating between Airbnb and hotels, right now, if you're looking for a bargain, you might find it more with a hotel. What other tips can you advise people as they are starting to plan their summer travel and as they're trying to determine where to go? Any places where this moment might be an advantage? 
Well, cities, especially big business cities, are still hurting from the pandemic because they lost their business travel. So if you're choosing between a city and a rural destination, you'll get better values in the cities. Mm. Last summer, I was editing our main book while writing the New York City book. And for the first time ever, prices for hotels in Maine were higher than New York City. Are you kidding me? No. Wow. And that's that's pretty common. I mean, there are certain wildlife areas that are just being loved to death. Arches National Park mm-hmm. had to close its gates 120 times in 2021 because they ran out of parking spaces. Wow. Yellowstone saw 1 million more people visit. So a lot of people discovered nature, which is wonderful, uh, but it's making especially the great national parks very, very crowded. So if you want to do nature, go to a state park. There are some incredible state parks that are just as uh, appealing as the national parks, but have ha- are getting overloved less. You are a champion for New York City. As you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, you're um, editing and working on the newest guide, a new, newest travel I'm writing guide. it. You're writing it. That's right, <laughs> yeah. for uh, New York City. What can people expect that are not New Yorkers that are coming to travel, as you said, taking advantage of traveling to New York as a destination? What has changed? What is new? What is exciting? Well, there are all these great new attractions. Uh, There's a new observation deck called Summit One Vanderbilt that's covered with mirrors and they have a room with floating orbs and then part of it juts out and has a glass floor so you can see thousands of feet down. It's this very, very surreal kind of place. Nearby, its competitor, which is the Edge, another observation deck, has just opened the tallest building climb on the planet. Oh my goodness. So you are actually scaling the outside of a skyscraper there, mm. uh, which is this mind blowing adventure. Uh, also, the first Harry Potter store on the planet opened in New York. Oh. And it's very, very interactive and fun. Your kids will love it. And it's never been as easy to get into a Broadway show. Mm. They're really still suffering because of the lack of business travel. I saw a show two months ago and I paid $39. Did you really? Yeah. Now that was a play. It's harder to get into a musical for that cost. But musicals, maybe $79, $80, which is not bad. And you can walk up to Hamilton and get a seat. You know, very rarely in a lifetime is New York City a bargain. And I'm sure it's still like if if you're planning a trip for a family of four, it's still not going to be cheap. But this might be a great summer to take advantage of, of what you're talking about and really map out an awesome summer vacation in New York City in a way that maybe you could not have had previously, you know? Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, hotel rates are still a good 20% below what they were pre-pandemic. That being said, a lot of hotels have added resort fees, which mm. is absurd since there are no resorts in New York City. <laughs> but so be careful about those. Make sure you understand what the actual price will be before you book. Where are you planning to travel in the next uh, three to six months? Well, I'll be in Memphis, which oh. I'm excited about. I've never been I'm excited to see Graceland. I'll be in Denver. And then I've got some familial obligations. 
my daughter is in a wonderful band. Is she really? They have 7 million downloads for one of their songs. What's their so name? She, What's the name of the band? Oh, the, the band is called Melt the Band. Their big hit is called Sour Candy. Okay. Uh, and last summer, the first time I went to a music festival, which is something I never thought I'd want to do. And I loved it. I've never regretted not owning tie-dye before. <laughs> Where was the festival, Pauline? It was Floyd, Virginia. It oh, was this fun. wonderful festival with not only great music, but arts and crafts and hiking in the Blue Ridge Mountains. And Beautiful. It just was amazing. So I'm going to be doing more of that this summer. Isn't it true that for people who love travel and something, a, a new destination really becomes euphoric, it can look like however it looks, right? Even if that means going to a music festival uh, for the very first time, having those new experiences is so enriching. Yeah. Well, I've been saying, I, I, I go around the country giving speeches on travel and I've been saying after being shut up for so long mm -hmm. and so isolated, pretty much anywhere you go is going to feel really good mm -hmm. uh, this year. So don't bite off more than you can chew for climate change reasons too. You know, do slow travel, go to one destination and really, really explore it fully. I think you're going to love it wherever you go. I absolutely agree. And also the connection that you make with the people, uh, the locals, the people that you meet in the area and learn from them, ask them their opinions and find out where they go. I always find that's the best way to travel is to really immerse yourself in the area and ask, ask, ask the people around you. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Pauline, tell me a little bit, you know, you started, we started this conversation talking about your dad and how he's still very much a part of the business. What is exciting to him? What is he interested in? And it must do your heart good to know that your dad is still very much a lover of travel. Oh, absolutely. He's always been a fan of educational travel, uh, travel where you go and, and you learn something new. And there's so many opportunities, you know, Every college tries to reel back their alumni by offering classes in the summer. What's the secret is a lot of these colleges will open to you whether or not you're an alumni. Hmm. Uh, so in recent years, even though he didn't go to Cornell, he's gone to their summer programs and had an incredible time uh, sitting in the classes of top flight professors and exploring the local area and eating in the cafeteria he even enjoyed. <laughs> That is amazing. Well, cheers to you and cheers to your dad. Thank you so much for this time, Pauline. I look forward to our next conversation and I just really enjoy our time together whenever we do get a chance to talk. Yes, thank you. Thanks for listening to To Dine For The Podcast. For more information on the show, the guests and the podcast, head to todinefortv.com. You can find us on Instagram at todinefortv and Facebook at todinefor with Kate Sullivan. Thanks to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National, Spiritless, and Terlato Wine Group. Special thank you to producer and sound editor John Golmer. To the loyal followers of this program, cheers, stay hungry, and stay inspired. I'll see you back at the table soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods, for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.